0: Hi! Hi. Uh,
1: it's a podcast. Uh, this is The Hero's Path. I'm
0: Zach. This is The Hero's Path. I am Ryan. It's a podcast about Breath of the Wild. And we're kind of following Zach's journey through Breath of the Wild. A game that he likes, but has only played once before. I like it a lot. I actually
1: like a lot of it even more now. Uh, like systems previously... People have a lot of opinions on the systems in this game, and I'm here to tell you, having playing it the second time, that I like all of the systems in this game.
0: Okay, I've yet to find Uh, a system. Do you have a specific system that other people don't like, but you are here to say that it's good?
1: Uh, weapon degradation is good. Actually, uh, that was the big one. Is as, as I'm going around, when you realize that weapons are disposable, it becomes really fun. You just, you don't, yes. you don't, don't get all excited about any one weapon. And you just, okay, I'm just going to get this weapon down a little bit. Then I'll throw it at this enemy and then grab the other weapon. I can knock the weapon out of the enemy's hand and grab theirs. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Yes. Um, something that I guess I keep coming back to is the fact that inconveniencing the player is often a good thing. And, even causing frustration to a frustrate, you call it frustration, right? Frustration. No, I think it's the technical correct pronunciation is frustration. Okay. Um, even causing a player a level of frustration, it can be a good thing. Um, and the weapon degradation in this game is uh, like if you just snip that off then you get a game that isn't as deep isn't as good
1: it's just a different game at that point in some ways um
0: yeah different in terms of goodness
1: i i mean there's definitely a way to do something like that with a dedicated weapon but you're not that's that's a level of interaction with the game that you've taken away that you would then need to be replaced with something else or else it's just not as deep
0: and intricate. So, the idea of this podcast is that by we would follow, we would talk about how you play through the game, and that um, each part of the game that you, you know, as you tell me where you went, we yeah. would touch upon these subjects. We would get into different things. It wouldn't just be a journal of Zach's playthrough. Right. And so I feel like we've put this uh, weapon degradation issue to bed, <laughs> and we can start with the uh, the journal part. And you can say what happened after you left the Great Plateau, or how did you leave the Great Plateau?
1: Uh, I pretty much... Oh, okay. So uh, I fired my game back up. I teleported over to that part of the plateau that I realized was a ramp down that was flooded.
0: And right I, in front of the Magnesis Shrine, right?
1: Yeah, and I jumped down from there to look at the wall behind it. And I sent you a screenshot of it, and it's very much like there's a caved-in entrance there, like a yeah, like a sanded-in entrance.
0: So I was like— If you—they it, 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 clearly thought about exactly the same thing you thought about. Right. The, there would need to be a way up there and it has been flooded and like eroded down so that it's no longer accessible.
1: Yep. And so I was glad to confirm that hypothesis that I previously had. Uh, And then I kind of wandered. The game wants you to go to Kakariko, and spoilers, I eventually get to Kakariko this session. Uh, But first I kind of went north into hyrule field proper uh because at some point when i was on the plateau i saw a shooting star and i had marked it way off in the distance in hyrule field and so i was like okay cool i'm gonna jump down and get that uh i never found it um ryan yeah do do they pers- do do shooting stars persist over a long period of time or do you have to get I don't it?
0: think as long as you're talking about I think that's the I case think that if you don't run after them right away then they're gonna disappear
1: I wasn't sure that was ever the case I think I only ever got like one or two shooting stars my first playthrough so I'm not shocked to hear this but definitely I was like wait where is it, it should be right here so I wandered around like the grass fields of hyrule Uh,
0: did you get far enough from or did you get far enough or close enough to hyrule castle that there were guardians around
1: uh, i did not get approach a garden close enough to make that an issue i was definitely like i'm not going to do that right now i've got other objectives i've got four hearts look i'm not speed running this thing i will take my time Sure. Uh, i did catch a horse momentarily because there are some that's fun there are some horses right there um pretty quick that you can get out and get on um i still don't feel like i understand the horse taming mechanics very well because it seems um,
0: to in that you don't feel like you're good at taming the horse or what I,
1: like i couldn't tell if my horse was tame or not
0: um uh, well it's it's pretty simple you just uh you soothe the horse whenever it misbehaves and you keep on doing that for, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And eventually it falls in line.
1: But how and... can I? I couldn't. I was waiting for some kind of confirmation from the game to say that the horse was, like, tamed. And I never really got that. Later on. Yeah, at, that's. At a stable, yeah. I did a stable side quest to tame a horse. And I guess that quest implied that when you like turn the horse into the stable it's officially tamed but I didn't quite understand what was at play there
0: yeah at the stable they give you a like percentage of taming um and that's I I guess that's the only feedback you get so yeah it's not clear I mean how you know it's tame or basically tame out in the field is because it stops trying to like take you where you don't want to go it mm-hmm. stops trying to shake you off that kind of thing
1: yeah and so this is the thing that i never really messed with uh i i the first time i played through the game i didn't really i, I definitely had a horse but i didn't really use the horse and so here i take I, I i captured a horse and then immediately let the horse go because I'm like no i want to be on foot because i'm going to be stopping every 20 feet to do stuff no oh, sure uh so that horse got turned away uh, and then I started exploring a bunch of ruins. So, yeah, ruins. There's lots of them.
0: I have noticed this.
1: <laughs> um, I'm playing with the DLC, and uh, the DLC adds in a lot of... Well, there's, like, the major things the DLC adds in, and then it adds in a lot of, like, armor that is references to other Zelda stuff that you can acquire. Sure. But I didn't realize it seeds all of that stuff with quests and with, like, books in the overworld that give you hints as to where to find that stuff.
0: It's pretty good.
1: And so I haven't acquired any of that equipment yet, but I definitely have mentally made it out to, at some point, go around and hunt that stuff down. And it's all located mostly in the same area, it seems
0: um it's kind of more or less it's kind of
1: all southern hyrule field and then down
0: into on the 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 the, there's a city next to the lake uh yeah i feel like there's definitely a sort of clumping in that area but some of them are further afield than that
1: i think i'm gonna make a point to come back to this area and hunt all that stuff down and get a good look at all that stuff at some point but i was like no that's for now i don't need to do that um What else did I do? I hit up a couple uh, shrines, finally.
0: Sure, I'm looking at the map you sent me. Uh, So the one you went to first was the Boshkala Shrine? Yeah. Uh, Okay, By the bridge. What's the name of that bridge? Proxim Bridge? Something like that?
1: Something like that. I never actually crossed this bridge.
0: Yes. Well, this is part of what I want to talk about. I feel like because of the way the game guides you, as you leave the Great Plateau, they say, okay, go to Kakariko Village, go through Dueling Peaks, basically head east. And so this, uh, the ruins that you walk through, the kind of uh, town ruins, up to the uh, Boshkala Shrine is kind of the intended route, right?
1: Uh, sure.
0: Uh, at least I, I feel... It's, it's hard to say, right? It could be that the game just does a good job of making you feel like whatever choice you make is one that makes sense, you know, right. that yeah. there's always kind of a natural progression to whatever you're doing. But I do think that in these early stages, especially since the king just told you to go this way, they have kind of a vision in mind that... Most of the time when players jump off the Great Plateau, they're going to head straight this way. They're going to pass um, the Boshkala Shrine. They're going to see this bridge. And so there's a lot of tutorial-like elements. There's a guy on the bridge. He didn't cross that bridge, but there's a guy on the bridge who like tells you a little bit about Guardians uh, so that you know this stuff. Anyway, do you have anything to say about shrines or about the Boshkala Shrine in particular? Boshkala
1: Shrine was not terribly memorable it's a really simple one as far as like you can you when the wind blows you can ride the wind with your paraglider and it's like yeah okay there's some better shrines uh as i went on which one is the combat shrine not that one there's a good there's a there's a magnesis style shrine where you have to build a ladder basically uh is the one here nope not that one that one. Okay. Uh the Ridihi Ri Dahi shrine. Uh, uh the one in the one? the one in the very center inside of the dueling peaks.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Okay.
1: That one is an actual straight up combat tutorial that I which I had forgotten existed. Uh huh. That is the game actually very deliberately setting you up for success with like, hey here's how combat works. Here's all the different pieces of combat that maybe you didn't quite piece together on your own yet. Sure. And I definitely hit this my first playthrough, but also my first playthrough, I ran away from everything and never fought if I could avoid it.
0: Oh, okay. So there
1: are aspects of combat that I am integrating into the way I play now uh, that are, like, bashing with your shield. Sure. Um... And, like, I've got a better handle on flurry rushes this time around.
0: Okay, okay.
1: That I paid a little bit more attention to what was happening this time, and I'm like, oh, okay, 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 I see, I see. Um, there was something further back. Oh, no, I wanted to talk about the Dueling Peaks. So, we talked a little bit in private about the how the Dueling Peaks are straight up, like, extremely deliberately designed to be where you need to go sure and like the king tells you to go through the dueling peaks and it's like in a lot of the game's key art and just the landscape of the game it's the most readily available landmark right yeah. and because it's split in two it's very much like a you can go through this thing like it could have just mm-hmm. been a mountain to pass under but they made it like split in two so you know that's a path
0: that's a good point. Yeah,
1: like it's 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 an extremely deliberate uh, piece of geography to gear you towards that, and so that's why I ended up passing through there because you can get to your destination several other ways.
0: Sure. In fact, like if if the message, if the mission is go to Kakarika Village from uh, the Great Plateau, then me with you know a much better command of the like moving around the game than i had at the beginning i wouldn't say go through doing peaks i would probably say you know head along the north side of the peak um
1: there's kind of a gentle slope up a hill that leads to the back entrance to kakariko
0: right exactly um but there's Um, a couple
1: other things that play that well there's one other thing that also keeps you heading directly towards the uh the the gap in the mountains uh, yeah. And that's that there's the, the tower there. Right. Which you know from the tutorial that the tower is what fills in your map. And if you're like mm-hmm. me, you are just extremely eager to fill in that map.
0: Sure. So you make that uh, a point. The towers like, in this game are very, very good. They, I'm excited to go back into them, yeah. It's uh, kind of a shame that... as. The game has a paucity of dungeons as they're normally understood in Zelda games. Um, really, you've just got the four beasts and maybe the Yiga clan hideout and Hyrule Castle. But I feel like most of the uh, towers, maybe not this one in West Nekluda, but most of the other ones f- further out are basically dungeons.
1: They all have Um, a different, like, puzzle mechanic to engage with them, and I'm excited to check those out again because I don't remember very many of them.
0: Oh, okay. This one is pretty standard. You just are able to see it from far away, and you can – as long as you can get the right angle on it. It's hard to reach from the south side of the river, but you did this weird thing where you skipped the (laughs) – uh, I shouldn't talk about too much about your map that the listeners won't be able to see, but if you come from the North side of whatever, I don't think the rivers in this game have names, do they? Oh, they all anyway. have names,
1: but it doesn't matter right now. <laughs> Everything's got a name. We didn't do the, We didn't do the podcast that way. So it's okay. Oh, That's
0: right. So we don't need to know anything.
1: Uh, uh I came. We... there's a camp. So I've been, I've been, as I've been going through, I've been trying to hit every monster camp as well. Oh, okay. And so I hit up this monster camp that is on the bank of the river that kind of goes up a hill. And I took out the monsters, and then once you take out the monsters, there's a good jumping off spot to jump on the tower about halfway up. Ah, uh, yes. Or maybe not quite halfway, but you know what I mean.
0: Skipping part of the tower is very important technique.
1: Well, that river is so—I didn't remember that the rivers are extremely fast-flowing— and then I also, and then I didn't remember until talking to you that you can just use uh, Cryonis to, like, mitigate that entirely.
0: Oh, to just walk across rivers? Sure. Uh, yeah, they ma- they have to make uh, rivers difficult to get across because, like, they have to make traversing everything as difficult as it can be. Mm. Uh, they, you know, or at least there has to be a really high contrast between just walking down a road you know following the path that you're supposed to and then like trying to do something else they have to make that difficult for it to be interesting yep so the rivers flow fast and the mountains are not (laughs) easy to climb over uh yeah
1: uh and while talking about the monster camp so like oh sure uh yeah, I, first time First time I played through this game, I was a coward and avoided combat at all possible. Here, I'm like, okay, I want to hit every monster camp on my way there because a lot of them have, like, chests that are specific, like, combat encounter reward-style chests. Um, and they're fun. Yeah. Um, I had a question for you that ties into a, a, a an aspect of the game that I also encountered this playthrough, or this uh, session. Um i got my first blood moon after wandering around hyrule field for a while and i need to figure out exactly what respawns when a blood moon happens because as far as i can tell like the camps will respawn but any chests there don't respawn chests never Uh... respawn is that true i don't know i don't know either I'm gonna have i to feel play like with the some
0: chests do respawn i feel like a chest at a camp is supposed to respawn but it might not if you were just there right before the blood moon you know that might
1: be it then yeah uh because i wasn't sure i was like does that mean that all the chests are no because i know in my first playthrough there were a couple really valuable chests that i would farm okay hmm I don't, I don't know the full respawn mechanics of the Blood Moon, but the Blood Moon is the respawn mechanic in this game.
0: Yes, and we should talk about the Blood Moon because I very vividly remember... Um, I guess I had uh, skipped Kakariko Village. After getting through the Dueling Peaks, I decided to go straight on east to Hateno Village. Uh, and I was on a horse, and I was uh the, you know the the setup to a blood moon the ambiance that it creates before the actual event is extremely creepy and well done it's awesome mm-hmm. but the first time it happens when you have no idea what's going on it's terrifying <laughs> and i was desperate to get within the hateno town gates before whatever happened was gonna happen, uh-huh. um, it was so scary. Uh, but then it just turns out, like, the actual effect of the monsters you killed are kind of come back makes it not as scary and just kind of inconvenient. Uh, it's still a cool mechanic, anyway. I, it's, well, it's a
1: cool visual. It's a it's, mechanic that. I feel like isn't a mechanic in other open world games that I have played in that like when, when I would play, I'm trying to think like a Bethesda style open world game, Mm -hmm. like monsters just spawn and then just respawn when you're not in that area.
0: Right. Right. And it's
1: not like tied to a central thing. It's not, that's just background that, that stuff the game is just doing in the background. It's not calling attention to it all. Right Here the game deliberately calls attention to it in a way that is interesting that they went that direction, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that... I feel like there must be some sort of technical necessity at some level uh, that made them decide to do it that way. But certainly the way it's built up uh, creates the effect of you feel a certain on one hand it gives you more control over the environment because you know that a monster that you killed is going to stay dead totally but then you ha- you have this lack of control where we're going to warn you that all your work or a bunch of your work is going to be undone pretty soon and so it creates more of more intentionality um on your part i guess than people just quietly respawning when you're not looking
1: i think it might be that might be a decision they made because of how like authored enemy placement is in this game oh yeah for the most part like other than well even like when you get jumped by yiga fools like those are in authored locations as far as i am remembering
0: the 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 ego people who are in disguise yeah yeah, those are very specifically it's always at that crossroads. Yeah.
1: So like combat encounters in this game are authored in a way that would make it hard for them to obscure the fact that they're just resurrecting that monster in the background. Where yeah. in other open world games I've played it because the combat is less authored You can just kind of say... Monsters are just
0: wandering around.
1: Monsters are just wandering around, and it's like, okay, well, this area, it just spawns some monsters at a couple predetermined locations, whatever. They're going to wander around anyways. So it might just be tied to the fact that the, yeah, monster placement is just so deliberate that they had to... I can see that. Maybe there was a version where they didn't include that, and playtesters didn't like it. Maybe. I don't know um but yeah uh i forget what we we're talking about <laughs> um, um, fight, fighting in this I, game's fun exploring in this yeah. game this is a fun hey breath of the wild is a fun game i don't know if you remember this
0: okay well we've solved the mystery i guess we can stop the podcast now
1: great uh oh we can't stop the podcast because i didn't I, I didn't talk about kakariko oh that's what i was gonna say the other thing that the king setting you on this path does is it sends you past uh what's his face uh, is it Hets- Hestu or Hestu? Hetsen? Hestu. Hestu. Okay. Hestu. It sends you past. Yeah. Hestu. So
0: you, you on your yeah. If you if you approach Kakariko via the Dueling Peaks, then you end up walking along this kind of authored path. And I believe uh, you you said you didn't see this, but right before you get to Hestu, there is a. I think there is like a authored encounter with a Yiga guy. Who, if you don't talk to him, then he doesn't turn into a Yiga guy and attack you. Uh, but I think he's placed there very deliberately to introduce you to that mechanic as well. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. And then up, yeah, up the road toward Kakariko is Hestu,
1: who's a Korok guy who lost his Maracas, and they, he sends you on a little combat, really simple combat mission to fight some dudes and get his Maracas back. Yeah. And that he is the mechanic in this game that allows you to upgrade your carrying capacity. Yes. Uh, he is the most valuable NPC in the game by some standards. Uh, and he does that by giving him the Korok seeds. From the Koroks you find, uh, I found, well, I I found that I've been finding more Koroks. (laughs) It's a bad sentence. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, I'm specifically seeking out Koroks, especially this early game, to make sure I can upgrade my capacity because, as much as I do like the ever changing weapon and armor and deg- shield degradation and stuff, uh, having a little extra is just nice.
0: Sure. I think that maybe the. I'm not sure about this. I'm going to say it out loud and maybe right. it will turn out to make sense. Okay. I think that maybe when you have a greater inventory capacity that's when the breakability of your weapons and shields and bows becomes more irritating um because you get into more of a you're like you get you are able to have more of this hoarder mindset Mm -hmm. of carrying all these things around and then the fact that they break on you uh, interferes psychologically. Once
1: and you start, so it, once you start playing favorites, sure, with some of the weapons and items you get, uh, then it and becomes you never irritating. want
0: to use that big sword because what if you'll need it later?
1: It's like, oh God, I got, I just, I don't. All I got, the next best one I have is a boomerang. All right, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I barely use boomerangs yet. Don't come at me about that. I, I'll get there. We'll get there. No,
0: I, I have never. I never figured out how to use boomerangs effectively.
1: I'm going to learn, but I'm not there yet. Okay. Um, no, I think a lot of it is that. I think you're right that like as it becomes more, you start to become more irritated by the one you like breaking. I think is what ends yeah. up happening there. Um, personally, I just like to have a little bit of the extra room to keep certain weapons around. Because once I have enough room in my inventory, I can keep a big sledgehammer to break rocks. I can keep a leaf. Right. I can keep I a twirled around.
0: That might be an actual problem with the the way weapons are treated. Is that some of the weapons you need for utility? You need a sledgehammer to break rocks. Mm. You probably need like a fire sword to set fires. Or having a fire sword to set fires is a lot more convenient than any other way of setting fires in this game. Yeah, there's and there's certain so stuff is then like... your your weapon inventory is kind of cluttered up with tools that are for other mechanics. Yeah, and that might be a bad design decision.
1: I don't know. If it's necessarily bad. Breath of the Wild ends up in a weird place because a lot of what was traditionally Legend of Zelda is a game where you always had weird magical items that you could, you know, you had a whole toolbox full of weird magical items. Sure. And they took your toolbox away in this game entirely. Yeah. They have relegated a couple of those things to being uh, like cooldown spell style stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the rest of it is all just thrown into the same inventory space
0: right uh
1: of your just your weapons basically and so that can get annoying yeah when you're like devoting all this extra room and then having that stuff have degradation
0: yeah i think that degradation makes sense for um for for combat yeah and you know going around collecting weapons but then you also have this mechanic of okay there are rocks and you need to break rocks, and you need to have a thing that breaks rocks. I guess then, it like, the when you have the problem of I don't have a sledgehammer to break those rocks, then you get to have the more interesting problem of how do I use my bombs to take care of these rocks?
1: Which is how like, a lot without... of people just do that. I've watched people yeah, play yeah. where they don't even keep the sledgehammer or won't use anything else. They just use bombs, and I'm like, that's a pain in the butt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it makes the uh, the spoils of your rock breaking fly all over the place. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know.
1: And there, there's also the fact that all these like items that have become part of the weapon pool also do work as weapons. And so, like that sure. hammer is real good in a fight. Find if I got the hammer out and I got to fight something real quick, I'll just keep it out. Like you know, so yeah. it's a double. It's a it's a double edged
0: sword, if you will. Uh. It's confusing. Ha ha. Um, uh, so you get into... You met Hestu and met you Hestu. Up, uh, used some Korok seeds to upgrade your inventory. And then he said, okay, sorry, I can't upgrade your inventory anymore. Yes, to get going.
1: And I was mad because I didn't remember this happening.
0: Yeah, this is a little bit messed up. I'm not sure why they do it this way. Uh, but actually your intuition was that he would you would next find him in the forest yes. i think that after he leaves uh at this point he ends up being or at least i saw him next at a um uh one of the stables south of the castle oh,
1: you're totally right i do remember that being the case
0: and then i don't know if you have to see him there to make him then go to the forest
1: he must They're, they wouldn't do it that way otherwise
0: okay um
1: well now that i know so... that i can't offload a ton on him now uh visiting the kokiri forest has moved up in the rankings of things i need to do immediately <laughs> okay. so that will happen very quickly soon
0: all right uh let's talk about what you did in kakariko village
1: not much i was really surprised um kakariko village is here uh it's uh i was gonna say it's the first location that's a recurring location but we'll talk more about the temple of time later um but kakariko village is a recurring location in zelda games it's kind of just traditionally the village i guess maybe that's not true anymore
0: I uh, I don't think it's true in this game.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. This is the, the Sheikah Town.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the it, Sheikah Town. It's, ta- it's supposedly, like, hidden away.
1: It's the most this town has ever been a the Chica Town in Zelda. Sure. And it's always supposed to kind of be the Sheikah Town. So it's cool to see, like, Chica out there doing their thing. Their vaguely East Asian thing. <laughs>
0: Um, I didn't know that the Shika were Japanese until this game.
1: That's kind of been... I'm trying to think.
0: How much was that as thing in Skyward Sword?
1: It might be a Skyward Sword thing. I'm going to end up replaying Skyward Sword because of this podcast. I know this is my fate now.
0: You have Uh, to do the Skyward Sword podcast without me, though.
1: (laughs) Fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to be me angrily shouting into a microphone for an hour about... The things that I like in that game and the things that I don't like in that game. Okay, uh, you get into Kakariko Village. Uh, they send you to Impa really quick, and then you get exposition from Impa, uh, where she lays out some more of the backstory to the game. And she's like, "Oh, you have amnesia. That's terrible." Um, I don't. Is the backstory worth getting into, other than just let's knowing... get into it a little bit? Okay. Uh. Things were bad, <laughs> and then you took a nap. <laughs> That's uh, okay. how much I no, It's.
0: <laughs> well, I think the way the story is doled out in this game is interesting and worth.
1: No, like, it's good. It's, getting into she gets into the like ten thousand years ago, the Sheikah ancestors sealed Ganon. And the Sheikah ancestors and the ancestor of the hero and the princess of 10,000 years ago uh, sealed Ganon. And they were like, boy, that's bad. We should come up with a system that will help us next time this happens. And so they created the guardians and the divine beasts and the towers, which is part of that, too, Mm -hmm. as this like magical technological defense system for the next time Ganon shows up. And then 100 years ago, uh, they didn't get into this aspect so much, but they knew Ganon was coming back, and so they were working tirelessly to, like, dig up, like, literally dig up that defense system in, in preparation for that happening, and then Ganon turns the defense system against the people using it uh, to great effect. Yes. And then I think at that point you've known the rest of it. How you were, you were felled in battle and put in the shrine of Resurrection, and then now everything's on sure. you again. Yeah, that's that's a, that's the the Cliff Notes version. Sure. There's more to it that I'm curious to see where they dish out some more of the stuff. there's some stuff I'm keeping an eye out for that I'm weird, curious to see where it shows up. So. Okay. Uh, probably in the uh, memory. Anything else stuff. in
0: Kakariko Village?
1: Well, and then she. Uh, Impa is like, okay, if you don't remember oh, yes. anything, you should go see Pura in Hateno because she might have more info and she can fix your Sheikah slate because it's not working one hundred percent. Which now I don't remember. Do I have empty spots? No, no, they don't need do. A... do. Do they leave empty spots? I think so. Okay, and the, so you know that there is like more functionality to it you haven't unlocked yet. Yeah. And she tells you as much. She's like, yeah, that can do more. I'm looking
0: at your your screenshot of your Sheikah slate, and uh, next to L there, it says, press L for runes, and next to R it says some Sheikah text that you don't know what it says. Oh, okay. So, So, yeah, there's definitely... that's the thing you're missing.
1: It's known, like, oh, yeah, you don't have the full functionality. So, she tells you... So, she sends you on the next quest, sorta, to go to Hateno and... Uh, see if you can get that fixed. And that's, that's what I'm going to do next time I play. Okay. I'm not going to do that all in one session because it turns out, uh, I can't walk in a straight line in this game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm looking at your map and I think I see that you went up into the woods above Kakariko Village. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, see, there's a shrine up the hill. You can do a shrine there, um... And then you go into the woods, and there's the first great fairy is there. And the game spell somebody one of the NPCs tells you real quick that there's hey there's a great fairy up there go check it out. Yeah. Uh, And the great fairies are implemented. Oh, that's that was another aspect I really really liked, the great fairy system. Uh, You have to pay them a cash fee up front to utilize them, but it's (laughs) I I have. Because I am engaging with the game a lot more than the first time I played it, I'm having a lot more items to just sell. Oh, okay. So I sold a ton of opals and other gems, and I had plenty of money. So I paid the fairy, paid the nice fairy 100 rupees or whatever, and then she comes out, and she's the upgrading your armor
0: mechanic. Yes. Uh,
1: Which is good. I like it a lot.
0: Uh, it's very fun. It can, like everything, it's like very good, but they... It's something I wanted to say about the Koroks, too. They kind of don't want you to 100% this game. Probably not. There's... Like, with the Koroks, you can collect so many... You can collect more Koroks than Hestu can give you upgrades for, right? I think that
1: I think no, he, he, When you're at
0: about half of all the koroks, is when you maxed out your inventory slots.
1: You know, I never got close enough to really know. So uh, I'll, I'll find out this at some point. I'll find out in a couple months. <laughs>
0: um, but same with upgrading your armor. It's like if you take the time to, because I did this with a bunch of armor, uh, taking the time to upgrade all your armor to max efficiency requires so much grinding it's and yeah i'm curious i feel like yeah
1: about like the max level upgrade stuff i bet it's really ridiculous for um, some of them it is but for now as i as like a i have been foraging a lot more and being a lot more engaged with the environment like i walked mm-hmm. in and got a bunch of stuff upgraded really quick yeah and i'm feeling a lot and, more yeah, comfortable
0: the- the, ca- the casual version, where you d- have some armor and you are able to upgrade some of it to a certain extent, uh, that experience is very, very good. But they, I think they build up a wall past the casual version, trying to discourage you from being really grindy.
1: That makes sense. There's also no, like material benefit to max upgrading something other than like the stat gains but past a certain point the stat gains are not worth it i'm imagining i know i I know when you get powered up enough this game gets you know not trivial but pretty easy yes so I'm, i'm imagining that maxing out all these things it's not like they change appearance when as you upgrade them or something
0: no you do need to uh to get like the set bonus for like swimming faster if you have all the uh zora armor you need to upgrade e- upgrade each piece of zora armor twice
1: yeah but that's i wouldn't say that's that's not that's
0: a, normal that's normal it, that's not a getting all of them up thing to upgraded four times which is the maximum then it becomes crazy
1: this is and, all very much reminding me of you haven't played near or uh near automata no. actually uh, Nier Automata has a weapon upgrade system where there there's no weapon degradation in that game, but you have like a posse of weapons that you can upgrade with materials you acquire very similar. Uh, sure. But as you upgrade those, the material benefit is that each time you upgrade it you get another stanza in like a micro story. Mm. And there are these really cool little pieces of micro friction for each weapon you get. It's like the background of the weapon or something that relating to it. And so when I think of, like, a reason to want to upgrade something all the way in a game where sure. the stat bonuses aren't super worth it, it's something like that. Either the game is giving you some kind of little snippet of lore or prose or yeah, in or or the other example would be if, like, the appearance of the item changed as you upgraded it. I could see them doing something like that, like some really cool armor that, as you upgraded, it gets more cool spikes and stuff. <laughs> you
0: are. Yeah, that's something they should consider for future games in this series, because I do do think that spikes are cool.
1: Spikes are objectively cool. Um, But yeah, I I was kind of surprised that Kakariko didn't have the plethora of side quests that I remember it having. I think Hmm. that maybe more stuff will unlock when I come
0: back here. I think you're right about that
1: because I definitely remember doing a ton of stuff in Kakariko and this time I walked in and everybody was just like, "Yeah, there's shops." That's it.
0: So Well, it's it's interesting that you know, here we are at we at, at the end of the uh first episode of this podcast. You had finished the tutorial segment and the world opened up. You can do whatever you want. But the game clearly wants you to <laughs> First, go through Dueling Peaks, Get to meet Hestu, uh, go to Kakariko Village, talk to Impa. Impa sends you to Hateno, and you're still on this, you know, not on rails because you can always goof off or ignore your instructions, but you're still in a situation where it's very clear what you're supposed to do next.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of what Impa does for you here is she's the one that lays out. Hey, you need to go seek out all the different guardian or the uh, divine beasts. Right, right. And she gives you the specific quest for. Hey, here's where the divine beasts are at. Go check those out if you want to make the game easier for yourself. Go do that. Yeah. So she's laying out all the like. Here's the basics of what you need to do. Um. And yeah you can choose to ignore that but also they tie a lot of the toys you get in the game behind this stuff so the the game leads you along by saying hey if you come do all this stuff we'll unlock more functionality in your tablet hey if you come do this stuff maybe you'll see some cool story and maybe you'll you know spoilers you end up with the different champion ability
0: stuff things you
1: get although i guess they don't really advertise those
0: Yes, <laughs> not really. Um, but yeah, it's like, I feel like as long as the game continues to string you on with these instructions, with this much guidance, then it hasn't really yet made good on the promise or expectation that it's this kind of self directed non-linear thing right
1: i mean it still is because there's nothing stopping me from going to hyrule castle immediately
0: that's right but as a casual player and even as you not exactly a casual player but doing this for a podcast you still feel in a sense obligated sure if that's the right way to put it to follow this linear series of events that you won't you'll still be on it at the end of the next episode of this podcast probably
1: probably uh yeah i mean there's definitely yeah. the, the game has a path of, of least resistance and that's and it's, what it's, it's it's not necessarily a that.
0: bad thing maybe no. i'm talking about it like it's a bad thing but no, it, no, no, no. it certainly seems contrary to a certain idea that people received or developed about the game
1: i don't have well-developed thoughts about a lot of other open world games to really compare sure but i feel like there's a lot of that onboarding process happens in a lot of open world games where it's like okay there's very clearly a first town or a first area that maybe leads to a second area and then past that we'll plant like ideas of things but it's kind of up to you. So it's maybe not that unheard of for them to do something kind of like this. Okay. But it maybe just feels a little bit different because it's much more deliberate than some of that stuff perhaps.
0: Well, and you know, if you are coming from it coming to it from the perspective of Zelda games. Yeah. Be, yeah. You need you're going to do this. You're going to meet this guy. You're going to do this. You're going to do this dungeon and then you're going to do this dungeon yep. and then you're, you're going to do this dungeon. And here they're like, no, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, but here's what you should do in what order.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, coming from a Zelda mindset, you're definitely looking for guidance in that way. So yeah. they still need, they need to apply a little bit of structure for hero rub up against. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. I yeah. uh, am excited to continue to play this game and continue to engage with its
0: systems i love the systems what do you think you'll do for our next meeting
1: i gotta get to hateno i gotta unlock my camera and my ipad okay because i gotta start taking pictures of everything soon
0: do you have any (laughs) yes you do do you have any uh plans past activating your ipad
1: uh i'll probably there's probably plenty to do in that province to fill up a whole episode okay uh and then past that, I've got some vague ideas of where I want to go after that, but we'll talk about that when we get there.
0: Okay. Well, have a... a good, need a good sign-off.
1: We do need a later. good sign-off. No, that's not a good sign-off. Uh bye we, we haven't gotten to the Gerudo part, because what did they say when they when the Gerudo ladies... It's like... Uh... They've got a whole cool language.
0: They do. Maybe,
1: maybe I gotta go there soon so we can steal their sign-off. Yeah. Uh... But I suppose we'll just have to do that some other (laughs) time. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye.